Your money will come when you use the talent that God's given you. Render My Money 2021, Session 3. Okay, I want to welcome you all to our third class in the Render My Money Financial Seminar. And today we're going to be talking about how to create and maintain a fixed budget, meaning it's not broken, not a fixed as stable. And the reason why we're doing this is because the first class we talked about what we wanted, our vision. The second class, and also in the first class, we talked about why we should want it. We talked about God's will for our finances. And in this class, we are introducing the budget from a standpoint of most of y'all participate in making your first budget in this class. I don't know if it's your first personal budget, but it's your first budget in this class. And so now we want to know how to fix it so it works. And one of the things you have to understand about a budget, if you're first starting to do a budget, it's going to take you a couple of months. This is something you have to do every month. It's not just a one-off. And you got to go a couple of months before it gets right before it's workable, because there are going to be changes. There are going to be things that pop up in some months or not in others. There are going to be uncertainties. So your budget will flow into a rhythm once you've gone through a few months. The key is that you have to stay diligent and consistent. And so when I was thinking about it, first I was going to entitle this class Fixing a Sick Budget. But I figured, why not look at this from a standpoint of the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So I was thinking it's better to prevent sickness than to have to go and fix things. So what we're going to talk about today is how to create and maintain a budget that's well or already fixed. Everybody understand that? So the first thing we want to understand is is that when we start with our budget, we want to start by understanding what it's going to take to maintain a budget. And the first and most important rule is your commitment. Because when you start this budget, Actually, it's going to get kind of tiresome and it's kind of mundane and it gets kind of, you know, depressing sometimes if you're digging out of a hole. And the first thing you want to do is you want to quit or not even start. So I wanted to play a video. You can roll the video in a second, but I'm going to play this video. It's talking about struggle because in these struggles where you're trying to actually reach your goal of financial security, you sometimes get disheartened when you've made mistakes. And you feel like, you know, if only I can just get a windfall, my struggles be over. But I've always tried to explain and express to people that your struggle will never stop. There's a struggle in obtaining and there's a struggle in keeping. My uncle used to say it's harder to protect and keep a business than it is to build a business. So I want you all to listen to this video because I don't think I got 100% participation in people sending me their budgets. But you're going to need to take this seriously because this is the most important actual action that you would do in your financial um, journey and become a financial solvent or financially free. So put the first slide up, which is financial solvents. So what I want to talk about first is what is financial solvents? And what financial solvency means is when you are able to pay your bills and you have money left over and you also have a plan for consistency down the road. Some people have had in their lives where they've gotten a lot of money at one time, whether it was an inheritance or some kind of windfall, and it really only carried them for a period of time. And see, that's not being financially solvent. What you want to understand about being solvent is you also have a plan for consistency to carry you throughout your life. 
And that's not saying things won't happen to knock you off like you may lose a job here and there, but you will have all your key points in place, whether it's savings, whether it's investments for retirement, all those things are in place. So financial solvency and being financially solvent is really you being able to pay your bills, all your bills you have and on time and also having money left over. So when we start this budget, when you looked at your budget, you may have looked at it and say, oh, my God. How am I going to get out of this? And it gets kind of depressing. I understand. But what you have to understand is it's the starting point. So I want to give you this philosophy from the minister. I got the okay to play this tape in here. I want to play this tape about struggle because I want you really to understand that you're going to really need to not be afraid and not quit on the struggle. Everybody's going to need to have a budget. Everybody. Successful businesses run with budgets. The government runs with the budget, and you may say it doesn't really work, but they have one, and it's a plan. So play the video. Will it play? <laughs> In your switch, you get a violin. I'll play the violin. Ah. <laughs> so you say, I want to paint, and you stop painting. Ah. Pretty soon you don't know what you can do. Yes, because when things start going rough for you, you punk out. You give up. You never, never accepted a challenge. All of you want something given to you on a silver platter. You do not want to struggle to achieve greatness. And I'm telling you, there ain't no greatness coming from God except you accept the challenge and struggle against opposition to overcome everything that's in your path until you reach your goal. Isn't that powerful? See, it's not where you start, it's where you end up. And if you're progressing, you're on the right road. And you can't beat yourself up over mistakes. I believe that God is always responsible for the increase. But all through the Bible, whenever there was a miracle, there was always action needed by that person receiving the miracle. And for it to be a real blessing, I believe the struggle will always prepare you to handle your elevation. Have you ever heard that talent will get you to another level, but your character will sustain you? It's the same thing with money. So when we start this fixing a budget or how to create a well or heal a good budget, the first thing we want to understand is we got to be committed. And so I wrote down several points that I researched just to find out what are some of the things you have to have. They want to talk in the negative what you don't do. I said, what do you need to do in order to have a great healed fix, a budget that don't need to be resuscitated, a budget that works, Okay. So the first thing, you can put the slide up for the first thing. You must have a budget. And I said that because we didn't get 100% participation. Now, you may have a budget, but you got to do it. Listen, it's you controlling your money, your money not controlling you. You need to tell your money where to go, and your money don't tell you where to go. Everybody saw the bumper tag, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, right? The only time in the Bible, outside of war, that slavery was a part of the Bible, when it was correctly done, was when you were in debt. So the budget allows you to understand and know where your money is going and how to get it out of debt. And not only do you need a budget, you need a zero-based budget. How many of you all know what a zero-based budget means? If you took the Dave Ramsey class, you should know that. And what a zero-based budget means is that you account for every dollar, even if you have a surplus. Some people sit in a budget and... They had money left over. And that on paper looks good, but there needs to be direction for that money. So what are some things that money can be doing? 
It could be getting you out of debt if you have any debt. Don't have any debt. It needs to be working for you. You know, if you own a company and you're paying people's salaries, right, how you like it if that person's sitting, you come into your office and that person kicked up, laid back, not working? Our money should work for us. And what we're going to learn in this class is we want our money to work in the matter which is the lowest risk. We're going to manage risk. And what low risk involves is when you're able to focus on time and not returns. Who can tell me another place where you focus on returns? Where's the place that you go specifically to focus on making money? What's it? What? Stocks? No, a place. There you go. Who said that? <laughs> right. Everybody in Vegas thinking they're going to win, right? Everybody gets off the plane thinking they're going to win. Well, who's winning? <laughs> it's crazy. And see, that's the thing when we get an investment I kind of want to stray away from. It's the consistent investor who invests over time is the one who usually ends up. It's not the person who went out there in 1949 to the West Coast to search for gold. You got a few people who struck it rich. But who made the money? What company you know right now was in in 1949? Anybody know a company that was, huh? Wells Fargo's one, but they was banking, but Levi's jeans. They were making the overalls. Anybody heard of Levi's? All right, right. So we want a zero base budget. So when you do your budgets the second time, you don't have to send me your budget as far as if it's personal, because the way I look at the budget, I really don't know what I'm looking at. But what you must have is you must have these points I'm going to go over, but you must have a zero base budget. So every line item that you send in must have direction. Okay. Now, what are some things that will knock your budget off? And when you look at your budget, so I'm talking about when you got a surplus, what if you got a deficit? What if you look at your budget and your budget is upside down? You spent more than you, or you committed to more than you made. You're trying to figure out, can I put some on it? <laughs> right? Now, here's the real struggle right here. Here's the real struggle. Because, see, the reason why it's so tough to manage a lot of money when you get it, especially you get it fast, why athletes have so many problems, is that there's a funny thing about the human mind. Your mind can expand very fast. I mean, that was a commercial used to come on about LeBron tennis shoes. A little boy, he had little glasses on, and he would go into this big old warehouse, and all he could see from all the way down to tennis shoes, like he had asthma. He was so excited, he'd take a puff <laughs> just to calm down. But his mind was expanding. He didn't pass out. My son was six years old. I took him to Toys R Us, and we walked into the building. He stepped in, and he just froze. Like, he, he couldn't. <laughs> I, never, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, he's overwhelmed, but his brain was expanding. So your mind expands to whatever lifestyle you get accustomed to. And the problem is not the expansion. Because, Shaq, you can go buy 16 cars. You can buy Gucci. Who can't handle that? The problem is, is that money is currency. And no matter how much money you have, it will never be the same. It's always going to go up and down. It may not go that far up, but it may go. You just don't know. But it's going to move, just like water. And the tough part is the cutting, the sacrifice, the struggle. But the attitude that you have, if you're committed to your end goal, your attitude would be, I embrace the struggle. So if your budget's upside down, there's some things you got to look at. And these are some of the things that I talked about in the last, but I'm just going to go back over them. Because again, I'm going to expect to see changes in these budgets. And all you got to do is send me the bottom. You know, this is what we were this month. And if whatever it was, if you had a surplus, you got direction. If you had a deficit, you're making cuts and you're shrinking it. And so when we look at the budget, right, there are two sides, expense and income, right? So the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you're making enough money. 
And I'm going to talk about that down the road. But once you know you're doing okay with that, and maybe you haven't thought about how to improve, you want to then look at it and say, okay, I think I'm okay with my money, but let me go and see where I'm spending money. And I told you all last time, it's the same thing when I saw in fixing a budget. The things that hurt you the most are the things that are real consistent, which is eating out, grocery shopping, car payments. Let's talk about car payments. How many of you all, if you were, say, you had a car and you could turn it in and you won't be up upside down. You can turn it in and you'll get enough money to go and get you a car that's far cheaper, but you still have time or notes left on the current debt. Who think they could go in and take that car back and go buy what's called a hoopty for like three years? So I got two people. That's honest. That's honest. But that's what it may take. So when you're looking at your budget, you got to look at the end goal. Because what I'm going to show you in a second, when we start talking about investing, what you can do, how you can accelerate your net worth, we get to net worth, is when you have cash to put towards an asset that's not depreciating. That car is depreciating. No matter how you love it, it's going down in value. So you look at your car payments, your groceries, your utilities, your clothing, all these things you want to make sure that you have understood these are wants. Okay? Second thing, if you're married, you and your spouse, you have to be on the same page. Now, if you're single, I hope you can get on the same page with yourself. (laughs) Get in the mirror and talk to yourself, but get on the same page. But in marriages, the way you get on the same page is you identify and agree upon a goal, right? Then you agree upon how we should get it. Now, here's where the compromise come in. The compromise come in if there's a person who has... And overwhelming emotional attachment to something. And my wife has overattachment. I'm going to try to talk her down out the tree. But if I can't, I'm going to have to either look at it and say, okay, well, baby, we're going to have to expand the time. Instead of us getting out of debt in five years, it's going to take us eight. Is it worth that? Because if it's worth that, I'm going to concede. But understand, we could be out of five and we can grow our money. All that money that we were paying in debt can now go to bill for our retirement. And the question that I was always thinking is, do I want to be working when I'm old? And I want to be at home, or do I want to be working when I'm young and vibrant? So you talk to your wife like that. You don't say, look, this is what we're going to do. (laughs) Because that's not leadership. Leadership is when you value the person and you convince the person off your influence of we're doing what's right and we're both committed. So you and your spouse got to be on the same page. Next one, you must be realistic. You can put those points up there too. So visually, I think when they see them, you must be realistic. Now, you can get very aggressive on this budget, right? But unless you're going to plant a garden, if you got a family of four, $100 on groceries is not going to do it. Now, unless your wife gets creative and she gets outstanding couponing, be realistic not only on things that are need-based, be realistic on things that are wants. Understand what you can do and what you can't do. You can't sit in the house with no electricity. You may be wearing a jacket, but you have to be realistic on everything you do with your budget. You have to make sure that you understand that when I say I need a pair of the new Jordans, that is not a need. Or I need a pair of $400 red bottoms, that is not a need. (laughs) Somebody somebody some red bottoms. (laughs) But that's the realistic. The point of the matter is you have to be intentional in understanding that this is only for a short period of time. So don't get in this and think we can knock this out in Maybe in three months when it took you 15 years to get in this situation or a year. 
be okay with working a two- to three-year plan. When you understand, we get to how to reduce debt. The unique thing about debt is if you're making minimum payments and you add up all your minimum payments, the thing you should look at is what if all those minimum payments were combined and going to pay for an asset or going into an investment that's going to appreciate and not depreciate? You may look up and you're putting $2,000 a month on credit cards, car notes, and if you're able to invest $2,000 a month into the stock market, and the market does like it's been doing for the last 40 years, when I looked at the research, the S&P has averaged about 10%. Now, that's before inflation, but that's still 10%. If you're not touching it, it's still growing 10%. You have to pay taxes on that kind of stuff, but it's still 10%. So we're going to look at some things, but you, know, you have to be realistic. The next one is you have to use the right numbers, okay? Now, the reason why the budget takes three to four months is because you got to look at your numbers not in one month, but you got to make sure you see the consistency of what your numbers are, you know? And tracking it electronically is very good because it's much easier to do it on paper. Now, I understand there's a fear of electronic if people over, you know, 45, you know, but my point is that they have all these apps that are very easy to use. Number five, priorities. Priorities must be in order. Understanding the needs and wants have to be discussed. Now, number six, when you've done all this, when you've looked at everything and you're still scratching your head, you may have to earn more money. When you've cut everything, when you've gotten down to where we're eating very frugally and we're not wasting money shopping, and, you know, we've gotten everything cut to the bone, if it's still not working, then that's where you have to earn more money. Now, you say, well, how can I earn more money when I'm working, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week? Okay, remember, there's a yin and a yang. There's a give and take. If you have overindulged in one area in your spending, then you have to sort of work a little harder to dig out the hole. And the key is to get to the point where you can pay off debt. And when you start paying off debt, you attack the first, the first debt first. Now, you also can say, hey, all these clothes that I've been buying, I'm going to try to sell them to get this snowball rolling. We're going to look at a snowball analysis. And those, again, for, this is from Dave Ramsey. This is not my technique, but it works. But we're going to look at how to pay off debt by starting with the smallest debt and paying that off and taking that money and rolling it into the next debt. But the key is you might have to take a second job. You may have to look at babysitting. I mean, but the thing is, once you have a budget, every dollar will make a difference. Another thing is, is that you need to understand, in some cases, you may be paying too much in taxes. How many people get excited when they get a big tax return? Raise your hand. Put them up high. I'm going to hold them up there for a second. Just try to hold them up. Hold them hands up you get excited. Okay, hold them up. Now, if big is less than $1,000, then you can put your hand down. Big is less than $1,000? Put your hand up if big is more than $1,000. Okay, there we go. Okay, those two. All right, now. If you've gotten more than $1,000 back on your taxes, you have given Uncle Sam an interest-free loan for one year. Your goal with taxes, see, remember, we're going to make every dollar work. So Uncle Sam hadn't done you any favors. What has happened when you get a big tax return means you have paid in too much off your salary. Let me say that one more time. Uncle Sam hadn't done you any favors. You have paid too much on your salary. Your check was $1,050 <laughs> a pay period, and you got $5,000 back. That means you gave Uncle Sam approximately $166 if you're getting paid twice a month. If you're getting paid monthly, you gave him $333.
the whole, your money. Now, what could we have done with that money? Invest, save, pay down debt. And it should be the other way around. Pay down debt, (laughs) invest, and save. Because you know why? Why do we say that? Because the debt has cost you the most money. I'm going to, some of my stuff that I want you to see, is up there. I want you to see the high tax return strategy. Find out how much money you're paying over $1,000, okay? This is what you do. Find out how much money you're paying over $1,000, okay? Because I don't want anybody to have to pay taxes, but $1,000 is a comfort area. So let's just say you're getting $5,000 back. You're going to take, subtract $1,000, that's going to leave you what? $4,000, right? You're going to take that $4,000. You're going to divide it by 12, okay? That's going to give you roughly around $333, 33 cents. I had it written up, so that's why I know this. <laughs> Now, what you want to do, you want to go to your payroll department and you want to increase your deductibles. If you have zero, you go to one. You say, how much is that going to add to my check? She's going to say, oh, yeah, about $50. Okay, go to two. But you go up until you get that $333. Now, let me tell you something that you had not thought about. If you have a 401k or retirement plan, that's a pre-tax benefit plan, like a 503, what is it, 503, 403? Yeah, 403, 403, I'm sorry. If you have any of those retirement plans through your job, not only would you save and and able to invest money for your future tax-free, your taxable income will come down. So what that means is, is that that $4,000 that you were paying, let Uncle Sam hold, now when you get ready to file your taxes, Uncle Sam is going to say, you made $50,000, but I'm going to tax you as if you made $46,000. You understand that? And it's to your advantage. It's to your advantage. Your money is growing tax-free. So that's one area that you have to really take notice of. Do not let Uncle Sam borrow your money and not pay you interest. The next thing is, I want you to go to that. Did we do the investment calculator? All right, see if you can find it for me while I'm talking. If you find it, just pull it up. I'm going to do an exercise just to show you all. We got up to the one that we did with the 20. That's it? Yeah, yeah, we got it. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. Before you put it up, wait one second. Okay, this is going to be a little test on everybody to see how smart we are, okay? I like to do this. I've got some brilliant people out here, young people. You can calculate real fast. Okay, so how many years do you work if you start working at 21? Approximately how many years do you work till retirement? Approximately about 50 years, right? 21, 30, right? 40 years, 40 years, okay, 40 years. 60, okay, 40 years. Okay, 40, okay. Change that to 40. Change that to the idea. It's 45, isn't it? Okay, we're going to do 40, though. Okay, let's just take a dollar. Let's say you start working at 21 and you want to retire at 61. That's 40 a year, right? Real fast. Who can tell me how much money would you have had you started this in 19, I guess that would be 71? That's 40 years ago? No, that's 40 years ago. Okay, 1981. There you go. Thanks, man. <laughs> 1981. How much money would you have if you were investing a dollar a day? How much, how much money would you have? Had you started in 1971 investing a dollar a day? Give me, a, give me a, into the stock market, into the S&P 500. I'm sorry, good question. Into the S&P 500. We're going to talk about what that is. It's just the market. You're only buying the market. It's not, it's all the top stocks. The 500, how much would you have? About $14,000. Got 14000 Who said that? Okay, 14000 Anybody, anybody gotten higher? Lower? Who, who think it's higher? All right, give me another number then. Come on, smile. Don't be scared. Hurry up. We finna put it up. Okay, we got a million. Who thinks it's a million? Okay. Anybody, we got 14,000 million. Give me one more. 30,000. 40,000. Okay. 140,000. Okay. Okay, put it up there. Can y'all see that? Somebody read it to me. 160,701. 
Hey, listen, we got to get out of this thing. If you're doing a job with integrity and you're making money, you ain't stealing, knocking about, you making money, you are an honorable person. I don't care what the culture or what's the Atlanta Housewives, what's that? The reality shows tell you, that ain't reality. All them folks in debt, They're a bunch of slaves. They leasing their houses, written. So next thing you got to do is you got to control your impulse spending. Okay? We already talked about that. When you go shopping, you got to have a list. When you go into the grocery store, have a list. Coupon. Try to find $100 in savings on some of the bills you had, like grocery shopping. Try to find $50. If you find $50 this month, you find $60 next month, just keep going. And then also, you know, Pastor talked about this in the last sermon, if y'all was here. What do you say the one thing that you see about Americans that we ain't no problem eating? Didn't he say it last Sunday? I didn't say it. He said it. Right? So you can get even healthier in this process. Get your body in ketosis. You know what ketosis is? It's when your body burns fat as energy. That's what ketosis, keto diet, y'all heard that? Keto diet, ketosis. So get healthy, but control your impulse spending. You know, stop the big purchases. Hey, say, we're not buying anything big until we're out of debt. No cars, if your car paid for, this is it. I'm going to drive, I'm going to keep this thing running. Invest in your future. You know, increase your 401k. That's the first line of investment because that's the best tax benefit. Then you go into, first line is to have you a secure emergency fund. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to have an emergency fund, which is savings, which is first is $1,000, then it's three to six months of expenses. Because people have gone into their 401k and taken money out to start businesses, to start to get married. I know a girl got married, used her 401k, and her marriage lasts less than a year. Man. So invest in your future. Keep your family secure. That's not only, but I wanted to put that back on. I took it off. Listen, if you're married, you got kids, you have to have insurance. You have to have insurance. And insurance is cheap, but you got to know your wife. And you got to know your husband. Because on TV, they offer people over $100,000. I'm sad. <laughs> I was like, $100,000? Golly. Man, girl trying to go shopping. I killed her husband trying to go shopping. <laughs> Next thing you can do, this is a strategy right here. How many of y'all heard of the envelope system? Okay, that's a great system where you've gotten your budget set, right? And you say, okay, this is what we're going to spend on eating. This is what we're going to spend with groceries, eating out, and gas. Those are the little things that sort of, the little nickel and dime stuff you lose track of. So what you do is, you get that amount and you put it in three envelopes. So your gas, your eating, and your, uh, your groceries, eating out. Now, you say, well, hey, we're going to eliminate eating out. We're going to brown bag it at work, and we're going to cook at home. That is the most efficient way to eat. There's nothing cheaper than eating at home, okay? And it's the healthiest place to eat because you can determine what you put in your food. You don't know what they put in these hamburgers, okay? So you do your system, and once you've spent that money, you're done. Once you spend that money for that month, so payday, you get the money out on your payday, and you put it in an envelope. Let me back up. Somebody looked at me. Once you get paid, you get those three envelopes, and let's just say we're going to spend... Pay periods is every two weeks, most people. So you say, we're going to spend $150, $200 on groceries, food, $150 on gas, and $150 on eating out. Then you say, well, we're not going to eat out. So you can either say, if the $200 on food is good, then you keep it $200 and put that $100 towards debt. Don't say, shoot, I'm not going to eat out. So, man, let me roll this into, I can use more gas. No, you still want to be very efficient on all levels. Think about getting out of debt. Once you get out of debt, your money can grow a lot faster. You understand? But you put that system in place and you carry that through every pay period. All right? Any questions? That's clear? Next thing is, I know this is going to sound crazy. You want to pay your bills immediately. 
Two reasons. One is it puts you in a good credit standing. Well, I mean immediately when they do. And you ain't got to pay them early, but pay them on time. The other thing is it gives you a real sense of how much money you got. Because one thing we do, we float debt. You understand? Everybody know what that means, right? We float debt. That's a false sense. That's not a true picture. That's not realistic. The truth is you spent the money, pay it. If you say you're going to borrow the money, if you say you're going to give me credit, I'm going to pay you back, pay it back. Now, the next thing is eliminate and avoid debt. Now, I talked about this already, but I'm going to show the video now real quick of the snowball debt reduction. Go ahead and play that for me. How many of y'all heard of that before? Okay, good. I love it. Okay, this is Dave Ramsey's philosophy on how to get out of debt. It's been proven a great, great tool. When I was a kid growing up, I used to love being out in the snow, playing in it, having snowball fights, building snowmen, whatever. Now, as any kid can tell you, there are two ways to build a snowman. You can grab handfuls of snow, build him from the ground up like a nincompoop, or you can roll a small snowball around the yard, and before you know it, voila, snow, torso, then lather, rinse, repeat, and add two sticks and a carrot. Dave Ramsey's philosophy of the debt snowball works on the same principle. You can try to eliminate your debt handfuls at a time, or you can allow your debt payments to snowball and you can beat your debt down like that pleated high water wearing clarinet player after gym class. Here's how it works. Step one is to find $200 in your budget that isn't designated for anything. How will you find $200? That's entirely up to you. Sell something, sell anything you don't need, like your weightlifting set or your monogram Paula Deen diabetes baking kit. Maybe you need to eliminate your cable TV, dining out, or your $4.50 a day morning dose of price gouging, disappointingly tasteless caffeine. Now that you have that, your next step is to list all your debts in increasing order of how much you owe. In this example, we have 450 owed to Lowe's for the new grill that you just had to have. 650 for Target for your shoes, your belt, and your purse, the essential matching set, and your flat screen TV. Then there's a $1,600 you owe to your parents for that time your transmission went out on your sweet vintage 98 Accord, and so on. Make a list of all the debts you have, lowest to highest. The next step is where the snowball starts. We're going to pay the minimum payment on all the debts for now, except the one with the smallest balance. For the Lowe's card, we'll pay the minimum payment of $50 plus the $200 that we found. So guess what? After two months of paying $250, your Lowe's debt is gone. Next, we'll take that $250 you were paying Lowe's and snowball into the minimum payment of your Target card. So now we are paying $280 a month and after a couple more months, just like magic, your Target card is paid off. You continue this process each time, snowballing your old payments into your new payments like Buddy the Elf. And before long, all your debts are gone. Now, an important thing to note is that during this process, you have to keep the snowball rolling for it to work. So no matter how much you love that new Urban Outfitters overpriced dress or the toolbox, or that new TV to replace the one you smashed in in a fit of anger after stupid Kobe missed that stupid game-winning free throw after, oh my goodness, why do the Lakers suck so bad this year? You have to wait. The debt snowball is the fastest, most effective way to tackle a lot of debt and pay it off quickly. Using the examples we had, if you were to pay the minimum balance on all the loans you had, it would take you 120 months before the debt was paid. That is 10 years. 10 years of playing Jean Valjean to the bank's inspector Javert. But if you use the debt snowball, you can have all these debts paid off in just 21 months. 
That's less than two years. That's 99 more months of freedom. And additionally, if you take that $1,100 that you were snowballing and invest it at 8% interest for those 99 months, you'd have $153,000. So let's do this like Pastor used to do. Take the debt, roll it up, and smoke it. How many of y'all have seen that before? How many think that will work that hadn't seen it before? Had you ever thought of that? See, there are a lot of tools out here, but it just takes the commitment. It's the commitment. It's the commitment. And it's the discipline to say, hey, you know what? This is more important. My future and my ability to be free is more important than, you know, trying to impress somebody that really don't even like me. That's the funny thing. I always remember like on Fridays when Ice Cube was in there with Smokey and he gets the call and he goes, he goes, man, she said she like Janet Jackson. And this is always how I feel about when people have like something that other folks, Ice Cube look, he go, man, you lucky. The way he did it, it just knows all of, about hate. But at the same time, we try to impress those people. When you should be impressing the people who care about you, the people who depend on you. I mean, we see what happened in social media, how prevalent hate is. So my point is, get your priorities straight, start the system to get out of debt, and you will have wealth once you're out of debt. Now, in some cases, you got to get creative. So right now, there are more home-based jobs available for people than ever before. In fact, most companies are not going to bring all those people back to the office. So if you have customer service skills, if you have the ability to be technical advisor, all you got to do is go online and see if those jobs are available. They're not all taken. But they were hot, you know, six, seven months ago. But this is how you have to be thinking. Once you start thinking of ways to maximize your talent, then your money. But if you know how to manage the money, then you'll keep it. Your money will come when you use the talent that God's given you. And you got to get some energy. You got to get some energy. You got to get determination. I mean, everybody loves to watch sports. But what they love about sports is the determination athletes show because everything's out in front of you. You see the mistakes. You see the success. You see the ability when people, when all the odds are stacked against them. But, you know, a lot of these guys are more consistent than they are talented. I mean, people talk about Tom Brady, but if I look up Tom Brady, he hadn't led the NFL in throwing a lot of times, but he's consistent. You know, he's not like kid up in um, Jackson. Jackson is the flash, right? I mean, he's running for 1,000 yards, throwing for six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 yards. But that flash, I want the consistent type of success. The one you don't have to be extremely special, you just got to be consistent. And then I can take a little of that stuff because when you try to do extreme things, it's always going to be risk. High risk, high reward. You take a little money and put it in that. That's once you have what we call your solvent. You have all your bills paid. You got money left over. So if you lose it, it doesn't cost you. So the last video I want to show, because the next thing you have to do is you got to look to grow your net worth. Now, I put in this last class, we talked about get, finding out your net worth. And some people had questions about what is my net worth? What does my net worth really say? And what it says really is basically out of all the things that you own that's worth money against all the people or things that you owe, how much is left over? If you took everything you had, your car, your house, your cash, you don't have to take cash, but any, your clothes, how much you think you can get for it? That's an asset. If it can be turned into cash, it's an asset. And here's the point. The true asset is, is that the only thing that's really appraised where you use it not upside down is financial products. You know, stock, bonds, businesses that they can analyze. But 
them red bottom shoes you paid $500 for, unless you just bought them yesterday or last month, they're a year too old, you're not getting $500 for them. In fact, you can go right now on a lot of sites, and they got those shoes stacked up over three or four years, $40, $50, $60. Clothes are not appreciable asset. Clothes devalue very fast. So pull up the money patrol. So I gave you all a lot of apps. How many people are using apps? How many people don't use apps? Okay. All right. So this is what I wanted to show you all. And this is one I found, which I thought was really cool. I just looked at it. I know Mint is very good. You don't have to change, but I wanted to be able to show you guys what a net worth looks like. And this is a hypothetical situation because it makes no sense. And I don't think you can have a million dollar house making a hundred. I mean, this guy, it was funny, but scroll up to the net worth where it says balance sheet. So you see the first part, those are your assets. Okay. So what's the problem with renting? It doesn't contribute to your net worth. So purchasing a home contributes to your net worth. So you rent for temporary purposes. You rent to get out of debt. You rent to stabilize your budgets and your money. But you don't rent forever. But you want to pay for your house when you're out of debt. Don't listen to the banks and the mortgage brokers that tell you you need to have 35%. You know, you only need 35% of, of your salary to be able to cover your free cash to cover your mortgage. 33%. Sometimes it's 35, 33. But my philosophy and Dave Ramsey's philosophy, which makes a lot of sense, you should have 25%, a quarter. So you're making $100,000 a year and you're bringing home, say, $4,000 a month or $6,000, maybe about $5,000 a month. Then that means... 25% of that is of $6,000, so it's $1,500. That's what your mortgage should be. Scroll up some more. So you see all the things that 401k, all those things are adding to your value. This person right here is worth $2 million. Scroll down. And look at their debt, $500,000. You subtract. So I want you all still to do that. You look at your net worth a lot because you got to make changes to improve it. Now, you don't have to buy a house, but you can save cash. You can invest. If you got a house, let's say you got a house that's at 15% of your take-home pay a month. You got a very cheap situation. You don't have to go buy a house. Just make sure you're putting the money in something that's appreciating. Make sure you're investing the money. Don't stay in that house buying a bunch of stuff that's not going to appreciate, right? And this app I thought was very good. And I'm going to show a different app every month because every month you're supposed to have your budget and checking it and improving it and tweaking it every month. This is not just one month thing. Every month, you're supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to make improvements. See where you are paying off debt. See where you are tracking towards your goal. You know, a lot of times, once you get exposed to things and once you get the knowledge about things, if you don't act on it, sometimes you bring curses onto your life. I always believe that. It's like if you know better, you should do better. Sometimes the universe lines up. I think God is a gracious God, and I pray for grace and mercy all the time. But I don't really blame God when I do stuff I know I shouldn't have done. I don't say, God, you ain't look out for me. I'm like, man, you big dummy. What you? I mean, I understand that. And see, what you're seeing now, you see a way out. Is it tough? Yeah, it may be. But you don't know, once you get on the right road, you don't know what will happen. So, this app is, look at the schedule. I thought this was really, just keep going. So, it even has a pay schedule. And it even tracks when you go overboard or you peak. And you can say, what happened here? This is a cool app. It's called Money Patrol. Now, any questions on this? How many of you all have seen a net worth before, a balance sheet or, okay, good. So everybody needs to do that. So all you got to do is just 
Do a screenshot. If you don't want to show me your stuff, that's fine. I don't need to see it. I just want to make sure you're doing it. For those who are trying to be the star student. Now, if you ain't trying to be a star student, you know, you don't have to really send it to me. Just people, or if you need help, because I don't really need to look at it, because listen, if you're not motivated to do this stuff, you know, you won't have the benefits and the rewards. And you may one day find yourself in a way where you have to manage a lot. And trust me, it's just like driving a plane. If you were flying to the Bahamas and somebody told you, you had this big, powerful plane, this luscious and plush and powerful, and somebody say, oh, my God, the pilot just died. You got to run there and fly that plane. That's how it is with a lot of money. <laughs> you got to know how to fly that plane. You get that fast, but then you got to know what to do with it. And when you listen to athletes talk, I heard Shaq. When I listen to Shaq, he talks, he's like, I just didn't know. I didn't know. And it took one person to talk to him. So really, 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 really make your mind up. Now, we're not going to talk about budgets no more. Now we're going to start talking about investments. Now, this class is not a class that's going to give you stock tips. I'm not qualified or authorized to do that. What I do is show you track record of history. I believe that the market is still the most viable place to invest because it gives you an opportunity to participate with the best business people. It's not emotional. You have to buy what you know. Now, can you venture out in things that you think you hear about that's hot? Like everybody talking about Bitcoin this, Bitcoin that. You're going to understand what it means to be speculative. So speculative means it's not based on a fundamental. It's based on an emotion. It's like, does Michael Jordan tennis shoes really, really make you run faster, jump higher, or shoot the ball better? So what makes it more valuable? Is the leather different? There's an emotion tied to it. You understand that? That's speculative. That ain't real. Now, my New Balance running shoes, that's real. When I run in Nikes, my knees hurt. When I run New Balance, my knees don't hurt. (laughs) It's something different. I don't know what it is, but it's something different. So my point is, is that we're going to talk investment. So the way it's going to go is, first day, which will be April, we will talk about the language. We will go over S&P 500. We will go over Dow Jones. We will go over what the market is. All the basic stuff. So as we move forward with your 401k, all the basic languages of investing. And then we're going to talk about the different strategies. And most of we're not going to get into stocks, but we're going to talk about mutual funds. Because mutual funds are basically your ability to tap in and have the diversification that will allow you not to lose based on a single production of one stock. That's why, you know, Dave Ramsey, Warren Buffett, they say buy S&P 500. Buy, that's a fund. It's called an index fund. You have growth funds. You have value funds. You have all kinds of funds. But we're going to talk about that. And if you have a 401k that you're in, you should look at what you invest in. Invest in. And we're going to talk about the strategy. What determines how much risk you can take? All these things we'll talk about. But it is a fundamental approach. It is not a, you're going to walk out of here and take $1,000 and turn it to 300000 Sorry, but, you know, you start reading the news. And, you know, I will talk about the economy, though. I will talk about those new things that are happening in the economy. And if a couple people asked me about Bitcoin. So what I'm going to say about that is there's a video that I'm going to have next month that you all can watch that would explain what a Bitcoin is. And does it make sense? And when you think about different investments, I don't know if, if you all were, everybody, most people here were alive, but during the whole tech craze and the day trade when the market back in the 90s, when the market was going crazy, how many of y'all remember that? Well, that's when you had a lot of what you call speculative investing, investing based on zero fundamentals. And we're even going to talk about what is really investing. 
When you invest in a company or market, what are you really buying when you buy a company? When you buy, when a person comes up to you, hey, I want you to invest in my idea. So we're going to talk about it. Now, 10 minutes over. Any questions? Are there any questions about budgets or any questions about the things that we ask for? Because I got a lot of you all's vision statements. So make sure when you're doing your budget, it lines up with your vision statements. But are there any questions about anything we've gone over thus far? Get a mic so people on TV can hear you. No, no, it's mic right here. They already washed. Nice and clean. No, get a mic. It's all right. <laughs> Wait, just say it loud then. Yes. Okay. Okay, I'll repeat the question. By the end of class last month, I told you send me your budgets because and send me your vision statements because that's what I asked you to bring in before. Now it's not the end of class. It's just you need to get your budgets in. The things you should have written down are your vision statements and you should have a budget every month that you're always looking at. And you also should have done what was called a tracking your expenses. You should, the first month we did the class, I told you to track your expenses for a month. And we gave the apps out that will allow you to track those expenses. You have to do that every month. You have to know where your money is going. So I just wanted to see if you had an app or if you were able to track it. So some people are tracking their expenses on paper. And like, that's fine. If you can, if you can do that, that's fine. One person sent me all their transactions. I didn't look at them, but there's a lot of stuff. That's fine, too. But you have to make sure you're able to take that data and put it into those categories of each expenditure. So you should know what you're spending on on your housing, what you're spending on your utilities, what you're spending on your car, your your transportation, what you're spending on your medical investment. Those are the categories. I had those categories up there. And and you can Google a budget, Google personal budget. You'll see. You just fill it out. It's very, very simple. And it's easy to populate because you're spending the money. If your money is going out of your hands, it's going somewhere. Just write it down. So that was the question. What else? Yes, yes. It is ARK, A-R-K, rendermymoney at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay, okay, the fixed budget. No, this was fix a budget, a fixed budget, meaning it's working. So here's the problem with that. So when you're doing your budget and you have everything in there, you have to make sure that if you say I'm going to spend 15% of my money on beauty products or personal items, when you get your budget, you have to check it against that. Did I spend 15%? So what you have, when you have your money being tracked, there should be a budget guideline that you've set in that app or anywhere where you're determined how much your money is going to go towards my rent, how much my money is going to go towards my gas, because that's determined if you're in line. Okay, so your budget will compare the actual against what your plan is. That's why I was talking about like real numbers. It has to be real numbers. So if you say I'm going to spend, you know, 15% 15% in transportation, and you're spending, you know, 30% in gas, or if your car breaks down, what do you do then? So whenever you have what's called a incremental expense, what you do is, like a car repair, you take that expense and you divide it over 12 months. So whatever the expense, you have divided over 12 months, and you add it to your car expense, your transportation. So you make allowances for that because had you started this last year, you would know. So this year, that's why you have to do it every month. This year, you may not know what your expenses are going to be for your car. But last year, if you had car repairs, you keep up with that. Because here's a good point. If you have a car, when do you need to buy a new car? My approach is I buy a different car when my car is costing too much money to maintain. So if I got a hoopty, right? I paid $2,000 for it, right? But in a year, it cost me $4,000 to keep it running. I got to get another hoopty. I want to be at $2,000. What I don't do, I don't go buy a $16,000 new car if I'm still in debt. If I'm out of debt, then that's different. 
I want to save up and buy the car for cash. Whatever you budget for, that's what you want to stay in. You got to be creative in doing that. And even if you get a car that, that's an exaggeration because if you got a hoopty, hopefully you, you ain't got no Mercedes hoopty. You need a hoopty that's inexpensive to work on. Don't buy a BMW 1982. BMW, they do not care how old your car is. They will come, that'll be $15,000. Okay, you pay for $2,000 for the car. <laughs> you understand? Get you a car that's reliable. Get you a Honda, a, old, a Ford truck. Man, Ford trucks, when they say built the last, they built the last. I'm about the cars, but the trucks, I had a Mountaineer. We drove it, sucked for 325,000 miles. So I believe in Ford on their truck. Now, I don't know about their cars, but their trucks work. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay. Your financial statement. Your financial statement was that balance sheet I showed of your assets and your liabilities. And remember, your assets are anything that you have that's valuable that you can sell. You can't put a realistic number on clothes and stuff like that. You have to just say, you know, I mean, you got to be real on that. If you don't know what something is worth, take something you say it's worth $30 and take it to your friends. How much you, I'm going to sell this. How much you give me for it? And she say $5, then you know you're about 90% off what your stuff worth. <laughs> so go back home and change, you know. But really, you want real appreciable. You want houses, cars, cash, anything like that you can sell and get money for. Your cars, you go and look at the trade-in value, not the retail value. Look at the trade-in value, and that's the value of your car. No, no. I mean, you look at it. You, it's for you. I just want you all to do it one time so you can track it. But you want to see that number going up. You want your net worth growing. So let's say you're doing a hypothetical, you see you only worth $5,000. After you do all, you may have a house, but you owe a lot on, you may have this. Then the next year or next six months, you're now worth $6,000. Maybe you save money in your savings account or you're able to pay down more in your house. But you want to track that because that is showing you actually, are you holding more assets than liabilities? Do you have things that are worth money, more things worth money than more things that you owe? That's why when you buy a house, it ain't yours until you've got at least equity in it. That's why it's called equity. Equity is ownership. So you buy a house and you ain't put nothing down, you got zero equity. That ain't your house. That's the bank's house. But you save up, like what Dave Ramsey, he always putting 25, 30% down. So you, you will have instant equity. If you put 20% down, you don't even have principal insurance. That's P&I. That's the fee that assures you because you have less than 20% ownership in the house. Any other questions? All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming out. And next month, bring your notepad so you can take notes. And I will have some pass outs with some terms on that. So you don't have to take real good notes. You just got to try to follow what I'm saying because I want to make sure we get the investment part down so you can participate in your workplace. All right. Okay. Yeah. So the question is, if you've been in your house for 20 years, should you have equity built up? Yes, you should. As long as you have not refinanced your house. So and taking equity out. So sometimes what people will do, they refinance their house because the interest rates drop. So let's just say you bought a house, you paid $100,000 for it. You've been in there for 20 years, and now you, you only owe 50000 But the bank comes and tells you, hey, your house is worth $120,000. So you say, well, I'm going to refinance. But I'm not going to refinance for the fifty. I'm going to refinance for eighty and buy me a car. Now your debt has just gone back up to $80,000. So you're never going to pay it off that way. Now, had you refinanced the 50 and taken the savings and the interest rate and accelerate your payments, now you'll own it in less than the 10 years you had left on it. So it really be less than that, though. If you've been up for 20 years, you should really only have 10 years left on your house if you got a 30-year mortgage. So I did that all wrong. I did like you had a 40-year mortgage. But you should be down to, if it was 100000 you should be down to $20,000, a third of it.
Yes, 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 definitely, yes. See, the way it works is you put what you owe in the house in your liabilities and you put the value of the house in the asset column and you're going to subtract that out and that'll give you the equity you have in it. Any other questions? All right, then. Well, thank you everybody for coming out. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was session three of the Render My Money 2021 series by Gerald Render. This message is number 4525. That's 4525. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4525 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word.